Welcome to Tech Talk's premiere show. Tech Talk brings you entertaining commentary about the latest and greatest with views, reviews, previews, interviews, and news in technology, including the latest tech updates on significant issues, generally from the prior week, discussions on how smart people in the countries are using technology, high-tech trends, innovative products and services, gadgets, wearables, apps, interesting personalities and technology, and lots of other fun stuff. I'm your host, Michael Armagon. Thanks for joining. You can catch each of our shows live on Twitch and Facebook and the edited versions on YouTube. And if you manage to catch one of our live shows, feel free to actually leave a comment or be actually be part of the live chat. Your messages will show up and we will make sure to include you in the commentary so you can actually help build up the show. Or, you know, you can just sit back, relax, and just have some fun. And I am here today with my two guests, Chris and Vicky. So let's start with Android. Um, first things first, Nougat has actually hit 10% distribution, which recently got some shade by uh, Apple. Yeah. Um, at their WWDC conference, um, which admittedly, you know, fragmentation is a thing. Uh, yeah, so things are slowly starting to go up with it. Uh, Nougat has reached that 10%. Marshmallow is at 31.2, which is pretty high considering it's the next version underneath Nougat. Then there's Marshmallow with about 30, well, 31% as well. KitKat, 18, so. And then it starts to peter off from then because then you really start to get those older phones. Vicky, I know you had some commentary on this earlier. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's your thoughts? I'd like, I'd like to start with you. Well... Firstly, I'd say I I made some spot at Apple when they did when they did the comparison at WWDC 2017, and I thought it was kind of funny that you know they were throwing shade just like freely on stage. Um, I'd say for persons with newer devices, the fact that Nougat percentage is rather low, it's really it's really kind of disappointing. But I guess you know some people don't really keep up with tech, so. I guess that, that would be my comment about it. Chris, do you have anything to say? What's your comment? I mean, it's, it's one of the, I mean, it's one of the biggest gripes with Android right now, um, the fragmentation, because there is, they can't enforce that, you know, the phones uh, update to Nougat. So, I mean, we have all these third-party suppliers, and I mean, I don't know, I don't know what you could do. Um, it's, it's just, Another gripe that we have with Android. I mean, the whole KitKat being at eighteen percent is way too high. Like, it's it's ridiculous. Yeah, because that's that's like three um, iterations back. Because there's Lollipop and after KitKat, and then there's Marshmallow after KitKat. And now we're Nougat, and now we have O coming out, Oreo. So, I mean, quote unquote Oreo. <laughs> quote unquote Oreo. Like, I mean, I don't know what else they're gonna pick that name. But so I don't know. It's gonna be interesting to see how they fix that. If they could fix that, but. It's, it's just a gripe that we have with Android that 
I'm actually waiting to see how much percentage Oreo will get. Probably exactly how much nougat has now in like a year. Are you really calling it Oreo? Like we're just going forward calling it Oreo at this point. I mean, I don't know what else they're gonna. I don't know what else they're gonna call it. I'm pretty sure they're gonna call it Oreo. They would be disappointed if they don't call it Oreo. I'd love to see the twist if they don't call it. Oh no! No one's gonna get that. Like I'll kill Android if they do that. Um. In all honesty, though. I have a feeling that Google's start, because the, um, Google has started to poach, I guess in a way, some of the Apple engineers when it comes to making the chipsets and stuff like that. They're they're really looking at making their own kind of iPhone, in a sense, locking down the hardware, locking down the software, actually having them talk to one another. Um, which you know, if something actually comes from Google and they really make it mainstream and they're they're like marketing it like Apple does, it might actually have a pretty good chance. My thoughts. I mean, I don't know. It still kind of boils down to the fragmentation aspect because even if you market it, a lot of people buy cheap phones, and when they buy cheap phones, those cheap phones are not going to have the latest software on it. So that's the biggest issue there so it's kind of and then it's up to those manufacturers and the suppliers in order to update their own hardware to for the new os so that's on them too because they also they don't put stock android on it they put their own version of android on it so whenever a new android comes out a new version comes out they have to then take that and update it themselves to whatever version that they have and then they have to push it out to all their phones which is a lot of work and like they don't they don't do very well at all. So I don't know. I don't know how to I don't know how to fix that. What are you saying, Vicky? I said especially if you have like three or four different models of one phone out there. No, I'm not being shady, but you know, Samsung does it. <laughs> how much how many different versions of one phone they have and the software, like them trying to update the software is just too much except for them to keep up with the amount of phones that they produce. I saw somewhere where they said that Samsung had the developing mindset of throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Pretty much. I mean, they can afford it, so why not? They can. So, actually, since we were talking about O earlier, um, I kinda, that kind of alludes to the next topic, which is that O is 8.0, which means that's going to be the very next big Android change, even though it, when you look at the features inside of it, it doesn't really seem like that is such a big upheaval of the system that it deserves its own number, in my opinion. Chris? I agree. Um, I mean, we're on, what, 7.1? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, that's a huge jump. And... I mean, I was looking at it, and I don't know. I I just possibly don't know what they have in mind. Um, to jump, I I don't. I just think it's a marketing thing at this point. I think it's a marketing reason. I don't. I don't think there's a technical reason behind it. I just think it's marketing. They just want to be like, oh, we're on eight point So, yeah. Vicky, do you have any thoughts on it? I mean, if y'all say it all like seven point one now, that's a really I jump from 7.1 to 8. I would have thought that you know they'd went with maybe 7.5 or so, 
I mean, it depends on how uh, like massive this update will be to the firmware or the phone. So, yeah. honestly, I mean, the feature list that we see so far, and granted, it's still in developer preview, so it's not even like really near completion, completion, but it's like almost there. It's, and I'm running it on my phone currently. I don't see all that much of a difference between that and Nougat. It, it's a bit underwhelming. It would deserve a 7.5 instead of 8. I would have given it 7.3. To be quite honest. But then again, like Chris said, it's it really could be just a whole marketing thing. Because, I mean, even Apple, when they come up with new software versions, they go, um, for example... 10 point, what was it up to? 10.2? I meant to 10.3.4. 10.3.4. And then the one before that was 9.4, I think, before it changed. I could be wrong with that. Yeah, I think so. But they were, they were like really small updates. I think the 9.2 one was dealing with, like, there was an issue that they had with um, people being able to, uh, I guess, get into your phone. So they had to, they had released an update, and then shortly afterwards they released another update to fix that bug. It wasn't like anything major. Yeah. So technically, both major smartphone operating system companies are just doing this whole marketing thing. I mean, I'm kind of stoked for iOS 11. I was more, I'm, I'm kind of more stoked for the eight than I was for the seven. But yeah, they're essentially doing rather nice with it. If they're getting me excited for it. Um, I guess we'll have to see exactly just how much of a difference it really comes down to. But before we get on to a, a continuing topic, I guess I should say, WhatsApp. Um, we've been getting for a number of years here in the Bahamas, you know, these little scam spam messages saying hey uh send this to your friends because you know they're gonna, whatsapp is going to soon start to charge you um but there's never really been any true true make you pay scam until recently um have any of you gotten messages like that before yeah very annoying you never got any messages no. So I don't keep I don't keep like, those kind of people on my phone. <laughs> so like, I will I will I will legit delete and block your number. <laughs> like for real. I like that methodology. Probably lose some friends that way, but I like your methodology. <laughs> I mean, if if it's someone who I don't want to delete, I'll tell them don't send me that type of message. And if they keep doing it, then they get they get blocked and deleted. I just know put that chat on you because I don't want to be mean to them. So I mean, I don't want to get subjected to them sending me like sending spam. Like that's mean. So if you send me something mean, then I'm gonna say something mean back. Um, <laughs> that's just how it goes. Um. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they've taken it a step further now. 
Alright, your subscription is expired. To verify your po to verify your account and purchase a lifetime subscription for just 0.99 GP GBP, simply tap on this link and then book it by the Yeah, and so that then asks for your credit card information. Put that in, thinking, well, I want my WhatsApp because that's how I talk to all my friends, and then they scam you out of your money. Yeah, honestly, I don't know. I don't know how um, people even want this personally, but I guess that's because I'm a techie. Um, if I mean, I'm just used to any in-app purchases being done through Google Pay. So the second you have to click a link to go somewhere else and not pay from Google Pay, that's mad sketchy. And I'm pretty sure it's the same with um, iOS. I'm pretty sure they use Apple Pay um, to pay for any in-app purchases if they can confirm this or not. But I'm pretty sure that's what Apple would do. Hold on. What are you saying? I say, yeah, they're saying to the App Store. But I don't know if people kind of felt that because, you know, like back in the day, WhatsApp was originally a 99 cent app on the App Store. But then when Zuckerberg took it over, it became fully free. And even before then, if you checked like your account information and so on, it would tell you, you know, your subscription would expire February 16, 2014 or so. If you were in 2013, 2014 would come around and they would just like automatically give you another free year of subscription. So I really don't know how people would fall for that. I personally don't understand it myself. And yeah, a lot of people thought, you know, at some point WhatsApp would start to charge you to use the chat service. Like that was the eventual thing that would happen, and it didn't. So you'd think a lot more people would know already, even realize that that it, you know I'm not getting that um, lease, sorry, that license renewal kind of thing going on. Even though some people actually paid for the lifetime license back when that was happening, mm -hmm. I feel bad for them. I feel bad for them as well. Um. The next thing that's actually happened with WhatsApp was that they've actually rolled out some new features to iOS only. Uh, with Android supposedly getting it later on. Later on. You know, even considering the fact that, if I remember correctly, Zuckerberg at one point told his staff that they have to put away their iPhones, they cannot use them, they have to use Android so that they actually get the Android experience and you know, help them develop for Android better because the majority of them are using iPhones and only getting one experience. Um, but yet, you know, they're still not doing the two-level kind of coming out simultaneous thing. I don't know. But um, the new features, so they're saying, is that it's rolling out auto-generated albums, you're enabling quick replies, and a few other features, like bugs and force closes, according to one source. I had actually thought that they had released it by Android as well, I know usually you guys will get the update first, and then when I come and speak about y'all, I already spoke about it, so I'm usually used to being well, like the last one to get updates. But, so far, it's been okay, but that post-closing bug is, is really an issue for me. From since, I down, um, from since I downloaded the update last week, 
like my wisdom just like randomly force quit like every here and there like maybe like two three times a day for like no necessary reason and i did recently update and recently pushed out a new update and i figured you know we still fix the bug with the false closing update is that update and my whatsapp like false closed this morning this is like uh, this is really getting annoying now so maybe by time as android receives their updates we will have a uh, solution to our false closing bug Maybe. Maybe. I'm just, I'm just really glad that they gave this buggy update to iOS first. I think out of all, the, out of all the updates, uh, let's give all the buggy updates to iOS. I, I feel like we were, we were like, okay, let's test this on the Android. I mean, on the iOS users, and then after we're going to give it to our Android users to see how they like it when it's like fully up there, up to par, and it's like the final version. Yeah, that's fine. Y'all could be, y'all could test for us. <laughs> um, so what is, what, how the new features really work is that with the auto-generating uh, albums, when you, it will group the um, collections of four or more photos or videos together as an album and create a tile display within the messaging window and then you can tap on that and it brings up a scrollable full-screen view and makes it all nice and pretty. Um, when it comes to the new quick reply, you're essentially just sliding to the right, I believe. Vicky? Slide right on the, the message you want to reply to, and in the bottom. Yep. Um, and then you can dovetail into the albums feature, which will then allow you to apply one of five filters, pop, black, and white, cool, Chrome and film to your photos and videos and GIFs and GIFs depending on who you are there and what you choose on how to say it. I'm not getting into a war. Oh, it's, it's GIF. It's GIF. There's, <laughs> there's no war. There's GIF. <laughs> not getting into a war? The creator of the word says one thing, yes. the internet says the next. For this, for this stream, it's good. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah. So, now we're going to get back into the next part of mobile. Uh, Apple. Well, we've been talking about them. Um, who are using Snapchat? Okay. That was like, uh-oh. <laughs> 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 like, so... I, mean, I, don't, I don't, I usually go on it to, like, lurk. But I don't really post some photos. But, you know, like, I have some talk to artists I follow stateside. And it's like, you know, I gotta see how your work looks. I highly doubt I'm gonna be able to go over there and get a talk to from them. So. Yep. Um, yeah, sure. You gotcha. <laughs> So what's happening is that they have found that iOS 11 with Snapchat, it's now a lot easier to record those snaps without letting the other person know. And so people are speculating, you know, if that's going to get fixed in the next update or um, what was that, Chris? Of course they're going to fix it. Of course they're going to fix it. Um, but, or it may just be something that Snapchat itself is working on. Um, 
not quite sure which one is going to really deal with it. But um, regardless, if you really think about it, they were never quite safe because there were always ways to get those snaps. Uh, record videos with another phone, use a particular app or several particular apps, uh, have a screen recorder, you know, things like that. But um, it's, it's interesting when you think about it. Um, we've got iCloud, which has actually halved their storage space. Well, the storage space price for the two gigabyte, sorry, two terabyte package, um, which is making it beat Google and Dropbox's price. I know I personally don't use iCloud, um, but I can see where that's a boon. And since we have an actual I, Apple fan, I should say, there. What's your thoughts? Uh, I sort of kind of saw the person don't really use iCloud. I think right now, out of my, like out of my, because like I have a really big iPhone, so this isn't really an issue for me. And if I need to do backups, I just like plug into my laptop. But for me, I think right now I'm using maybe. 500 megabytes of my iCloud storage, like five gigabytes. So I'm not really using that much, but I think it is like a boom for those, especially users who who will have an iOS device and they'd have like Dropbox or Google Drive on their phone already, simply because you know they want the extra storage, but they don't want to pay. But like now, since Apple has like boosted up their storage. Uh, so yeah, since Apple is now a piece of their store, I feel like three persons would push towards that. So I'm waiting to see how the competitors react to Apple boosting up their storage, especially at a cheaper price now as well. So, well, like ten ten dollars for two terabytes a month, it's, it's rather nice. It is. It is. Um, <laughs> I'm actually a little bit jealous. Like I'm. I currently am using Google Drive at the moment, and I have a terabyte of storage space over on there, plus some other things because I'm a Google um, local guide and whatnot. So, actually, wait, no, they gave that to me for free because I'm a local guide. But um, yeah, it's still something that makes you really wonder about where you should really be storing your stuff. Um, Chris. Uh, uh, where you should store your stuff? Dig a hole, throw them inside the hole. <laughs> um, I'm glad that Apple Apple did that because uh, now that they did it, of course we like Google is definitely gonna respond, and if Google responds, then Dropbox is gonna respond. Um, and they're probably up there. So it's just a matter of how much they're gonna up theirs to, and what are they gonna charge for it. And Google's even flirted with because um, Pixel owners have unlimited. Uh, photo storage. So they've already flirted with the idea of unlimited storage, and Google is someone who I know can probably back it out of all three of those Apple, Dropbox, and Google. Google probably has the deepest pockets when it comes to storage space. So I think their own is probably going to hurt more. But I'm glad that Apple did it because, I mean, it's just going to push both Google and Dropbox just to, to do something new now or offer something to compete. Well, I know yesterday I saw an article that was talking about how Google is actually looking to start backing up 
your entire computer. Now, I don't, I didn't quite read fully into it, but it seems like they are going to really start looking into those really big packages. Um, not so much for enterprise, but more so for the casual user, I think they said. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're trying to take over the world, so I mean, it's just the next step. Skynet. Right? <laughs> yeah. Um, one being that we haven't talked about, and I'm, I'm jumping over to a different platform as well, is Amazon. Amazon actually has some um, storage space as well that they were offering customers, which was an unlimited storage package, which I think was for $40. And you can keep that storage, but if you're new, you're not going to be able to get it anymore. They're actually getting rid of it completely. So that's... That's interesting. Okay. And it's... It's like, how people would react to it. The customers would, like, I guess float more towards it to see if they could make more money. But I guess they get they didn't get the response that they wanted. So they're gonna like, okay, I think we're gonna remove it now and try something new later. I don't know. Amazon is a tricky tricky um, company to follow. Simply because they are I don't know, like with tax they don't seem to do as strong as they do with retail. Retail, they're dominating retail. They're just destroying retail that party center. But with tech, uh, they've always been kind of off the ball. Um, the Alexa, like that's the first time they've actually jumped out ahead of tech and actually like knocked it way out of the park. Um, I don't know how. I mean, Google, like Google Home was out and it's like, oh yeah, you have Google Home, and then you have um, Echo Alexa. I was like, oh okay. Then like you just went to sleep, woke up, Alexa's everywhere. I was like, oh my god, what the hell happened? So. <laughs> that's the first time they've actually like knocked the ball out of the park. I guess, I guess you can sort of count the Kindle, but the Kindle like came up and then it went down. Um, it's gonna see. It's gonna be interesting to see if that happens with Alexa as well with Echo. Um, it's gonna be very interesting to see if that happens with them. But I, in terms of tech, I don't know. Uh, uh, Amazon is just they've not been out there. So I mean, it's, they kill off their unlimited data. Okay, great. They go. See, the funny thing about it is a lot of people use their their back-end system because a lot they actually have it almost like a data center for websites and servers, and people can piggyback off of that and store their information there and run all their stuff. And, you know, that's a paid service. But, well, I think they even have that free up to a certain limit. Um, and so it's things like that along with this unlimited storage that I don't think they quite pushed as well as they probably should have. Um, like, for example, did you guys know about the unlimited package? No. Case in point. Um, do you guys know about the backend and running stuff? Oh, they're cloud services, web services, yeah. yeah. Vicky? Nope. I totally use Amazon for retail. Uh, that's about it. And they're one of the biggest websites on the internet, like the most visited and the biggest. So you think, you know, they'd have done something to really push it, but eh. Um, jumping back to Apple, iOS four. 
I feel sorry for this, but where you found out that it's not compatible with iOS, sorry, not iOS 4, Apple Watch 4 is not going to be compatible with iOS 10, meaning that all phones from the 5C and 5 and under will not be getting, well, their Apple Watch will not work with it if they go to iOS 4. Um, Vicky, you have an i, well, you have an Apple Watch. So yeah. A lot of people have been calling it iWatch. I almost said the same thing. <laughs> Such an, a, a pet peeve for me, but yeah. <laughs> um, and what what phone is it that you have? Which i um, iPhone? I have an iPhone six, so I'm I'm in the clear. So yeah, maybe I can another maybe it's one seven o'clock. Maybe one or two. Maybe one or two more <laughs> and I think I meant to Claire. <laughs> About another year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Another year I'm still I'm in the Claire with my watch. But for those with the five five C, I I kind of feel sorry for them as well. Um simply because the like the betas that I've seen for Watch OS four seems to be a pretty nice update. But their watch should basically be able to take the update, but they can't. They can't have the update because their phone is not able to update to iOS 11. So with an Apple Watch, you have to be able to update your phone in order to to update your watch. It's kind of like a, a, I feel like it's a money scheme, to be honest with you. This is a money scheme. I'm surprised <laughs> that they weren't like, oh, you have to have an iOS, uh, uh, iPhone 7 in order to get it, because that would be hilarious. So. They'll like rip out. They'll mean that you guys aren't having any headphones on. I mean, I've been okay with that. I haven't. I haven't seen much people complain about the headphone jack issue in a while. So I because think not many people have the seven. <laughs> I, think, I think they've gotten used to it, and it's just like okay, it's whatever now. They already removed it. It's not coming back. So I don't think so. You just pack it up or go buy an Android. Um, <laughs> on that note, <laughs> some people have also found a little bit of a conspiracy that might be happening with Apple. Yes, yet another conspiracy. And this one is that... I bring a tinfoil hat. No, and I kind of left mine back in the office. Um... <laughs> is that Apple may be helping governments spy on you. And that's because of something that Tim Cook said in an interview. And it's garnered a little bit of interest. Apparently, in a paragraph at the end of a Rolling Stone story um, about a, the Manchester Benefit concert, this is how, what it said. And it felt incredibly safe. At, sorry, no, no, this was not by Tim Cook. Um, this is actually, I apologize. This was by a person who was there at the concert who was, well, let me just read out and you'll find out. And it felt incredibly safe as I made my own way to the tram. I wrote in my Apple Notes app, helicopter hovering overhead, which to me signified that the fans were being watched over. The two policemen stopped me and asked me, who was I? 
asked me who I was with and whether I'd written anything about a helicopter into my phone. Without an explanation, the technology of how they'd read my notes app. After a friendly back and forth, they looked through my bag, checked my ID and business card, and determined that I wasn't a threat. You have to understand, tensions are running high, one of the men said with a smile and a handshake. Allowing me through the gates, Manchester was secure tonight. So, with that quote, um, along with the fact that Tim Cook has confirmed that Apple helps the UK following the terrorist threats that hit the country the past month, um, people have taken on that, you know, Apple is sending off that kind of information. What do you guys think? Uh, I don't know if they're sending it off so much as they may have, um, if they given them some type of device in order to, like, check. Uh, that's some real hacker stuff. Um, checking keystrokes is, ooh, I see, I don't know. Um, glad I don't have Apple. <laughs> if they are sending it off, which I'm not 100% sure they are, but it would basically go against with Tim Cook had initiate, well, initially stated like back in, I think it was 2016, when the FBI wanted them to um, unlock, uh, I think there was an issue, there was an issue where they had, they had one, I think it was like a, a guy or a terrorist or something, something had happened and they had wanted them to unlock the iPhone that they had, but they were all like, you know, they're not going to unlock it. It's like, Evading people's privacy, et cetera, et cetera. And we actually went to court for it and all type stuff. So I think if that's what's going on, it would basically kind of, you know, like just like discredit everything that they did back in 2016. I mean, it might be something very, it might not be that nefarious. It might just simply be um, that they can set up a perimeter because they can use GPS and they can use GPS, set up a perimeter, say, well, anyone in this area who types or text anything about a helicopter like alert us of where they are and then so he typed helicopter and then that triggered the response and so they like they went there saw him talked to him and just assessed the situation so they probably have just like keywords um and they probably have it bound by gps area or maybe not um but i'm pretty sure in that case that because he typed helicopter and it was in that area but that's probably what Targeted if they have anything, um, that might be how it works. That's what I'm thinking as well with the whole keyword situation. I am not sure about the GPS situation because GPS, while it's been good, it can also be it. It's not pinpoint all the time, and for them to, it's slightly unnerving that they were able to walk up to him and ask him, unless he was like by there himself or something like that. Yeah, that's why I think GPS is involved. Yeah. So. Regardless, it's in. It's something that really make you think. I would say. Um, we also have to take into fact, you know, this is not someone official. This is just. We're going off the fact that Tim Cook said, you know, we're helping them out, and then there's this guy saying this. This is what happened to him. Allegedly. Well, I mean, I don't think it'll be an official news anyway. Some some like that wouldn't make it official news. So if it is true, it's caution. I mean, between Apple and the government, it's caution. 
But that's again tinfoil hat. It's not on. So. <laughs> um, speaking of you know conspiracies and whatnot, Apple has also had its own little internal secret device that actually helps with repairing well, screens. If you had a broken screen, cracked screen, whatever it is, they actually had this device with that place the iPhone in, they would take off the screen, install a new one, and you just give it back to the customer. And these typically would have only been in Apple stores. Um, for about a year or two now, uh, companies like iFixit and other, there's a coalition of uh, third-party phone repair companies that have been vying for Apple and other companies like that to help them with their repairs, especially when they make it really hard to fix. Or it's, you know, make the phones easier to fix instead of soldering everything on together and making it out really hard to fix that. Um, but it seems Apple is now extending those secret screen repair machines to the, some third parties, not all, some, select few. So, I don't know, like me personally, I think it's good that they're starting to reach out to third parties and, you know, repair places. I'm just kind of curious as to what else they will start to help them with, you know, repairing your phones. I mean, it's, it's another, um, it's, it's one of the things I don't get why Apple's doing it. Because if they were to allow these third-party places to fix their phones properly and correctly, like without all the hassle, and sometimes they just can't fix it. Like, you can't, they can't figure out, they can't get certain error codes for like iPhones and iMacs, right? There's just, they'll be like, oh, uh, send this to the store, or like they don't have the device in order to tell them what this code means. So they'll get an error code and they'll be like, okay, well, what does this code mean? That means you have to go to Apple and then Apple tell them, oh, we have to replace this, or we have to, we have to send the device to us. And it's, sometimes it's very simple. Sometimes it's something that they can do, but because they don't know what that code is, like that code may say like, oh, well, the webcam isn't connecting properly. Like, there's no response on the webcam, but they were like, oh, you have to change the whole logic board. Like, that's that's ridiculous, you know? So, I hope that this is them starting to get along towards that, to letting, like, these third-party people help. I don't feel like they are. I just think that it's, uh, I think that they've accepted the fact that their screens are complete crap, and that a lot of people have, to, like, Every time we see iPhone, it's like 50% chance that person has a cracked screen. Versus Android is like maybe a 20% chance that a person has a cracked screen. Oh, wow. So. <laughs> Vicky looks like she's been ready to blow. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. See, like, it's just the truth. I mean, like, from people I've seen, like, from people that are iPhone users, just have a cracked screen. That's just, I can expect, like, okay, it's just going to crack them up. Vicky? Well, Chris, my iPhone does not have a cracked screen. There's a simple solution for their crappy screens, and it's buying a tempered glass screen protector. I don't know why people don't invest in them. They're like literally $16 max. 
Um, so I said that that's like the best solution for persons who don't want to get their iPhone screen cracked. Um, but by um, finally, you know, that in third party use the secret secret, but I put quote unquote because people know about it, but it's a secret. Um, the secret machine. Um, I think it's 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 a start for them to finally reach out to persons and like not having to give people hassle to get simple things fit than iPhones. Like for me, I had an experience where I basically just wanted my camera to be shipped properly back aligned. And when I went to the store, they told me, you know, we're we're an authorized um, Apple dealership, but we cannot. We're not allowed to open up your iPhone unless Apple gives us the go ahead to open up your iPhone. And I was like, it's a simple thing. Like it's literally just opening the phone, shifting the camera, and that's it. Like that's all you have to do. You have to go to Apple for that. But it it was it really is a hassle. So I feel as though them sending out the sending out the screen machine would help them to you know eliminate the hassle for those who can't be bothered to take the hassle of with an Apple product. And that makes me wonder if these third-party places are actually just those Apple service, Apple authorized service providers, which are the people who are supposed to fix your phone, that kind of thing, instead of actual oh, other third parties. It's well, I guess we may or may not care more about it as time goes on. That would make me wonder for real because. Now it's just a simple machine that they're using, and it isn't like you don't really have to be authorized to fix the phone. You just like gotta know something, something about the machine in order to work it. I, I really question that for real now. Now that you mentioned it, yeah. Um, since we're actually talking about tearing down and replacing stuff, uh, some well. And, you know, I talked about iFixit. iFixit is the one who actually found this out. But they found that you can replace on the new iMacs, the ones that just got announced at WWDC and whatnot, that if you open them up, you can change the RAM and the processors and upgrade them over time. The only problem, you have to take off the screen. <laughs> um, and not everyone wants to do that. Uh, Vicky, I'm going to start with you because, you know, you are our uh, veteran I, Apple uh, person here. How do you feel about that? I, I do the same thing Chris said, do like a, a shake. Um, I've actually watched the video of iFixit taking the iMac apart. And it's basically going to cost you more. Because you now have to, like, once you take off the screen, you already, you know, remove the adhesive tape that basically holds the screen in place. So now, once you take that apart, you're going to now have to replace that in order for you to, attack, to reattach the, the screen to the, I guess, the, the, the board, <laughs> the, the base, uh, the iMac. Um, so I, if, I, if I would do that, I would probably be like... I've had that iMac for a while, and I'm getting like old. If I need like a new upgrade for it, then I'm would. I think I'll deal with that. But if I like I just bought the iMac and as well, like you know, I think I'm gonna customize it. Then no, I wouldn't go through all that hassle to take off the screen 
to just like upgrade the ROM and the processor. Yeah, yeah. From from Pixel laptop, I can say that the one thing I hated, 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 hated was removing the screen. Like if I had to like swap out a webcam, oh, it, it was just terrible because screens are by far the most trickiest thing. Like you can easily break something. Um, like the logic board for the screen is like so tiny, it's like super, super tiny, um, at least in some models. And it's very, very fragile, it's very easy to break. Um, the screen itself, the thinner it is, it can be thin sometimes, especially in these later models. Um, well, newer models, I should say. And it's just it's just a hassle to work with. And again, Apple has trash screens. So, well, when it comes to durability, um, the color is looks great. But they're, I don't know, they just, I, I don't that's just, there's just a lot of room to mess something up there, mess up something there, especially with removing a screen. And that's, 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 to me, it's like, okay, it's cool that you replace it. It's not practical. Like, it's not, don't like, don't do it. You have to, you have to be desperate. If you're desperate and the only desperate thing I think you need is to change the processor. Like, to go through all that, just change your RAM? Nah, just, just, just don't worry about it. <laughs> just keep your RAM. <laughs> I, I honestly have to agree. Like, I I agree with Vicky on this. Like, older computers, but we're not talking older computers. But let's say um, five years down the line, if you're still rocking that, yeah, probably it's worth it. Um, if you're gonna just get that hair today and then want to change that, then I would personally just opt for buying the higher end device. Okay, I think it would, it would it would be more cost efficient to just upgrade, like spend that extra couple of bucks to buy buy a device than for you to purchase the lower one and then decide that you know I want to customize it. You're gonna waste, you're gonna spend more money trying to customize it than to just purchase the higher end one. Yeah. Um, we were talking about iOS 11 a little bit earlier, and they displayed something for iPads that was interesting. The whole drag and drop feature, which admittedly, you know, it's it's a powerful way of doing things and hasn't quite been implemented the same way on almost any other platform, unless, you know, you're doing the copy paste element of it on like Windows or Mac or something like that. Um, but for mobile, yeah, no. Uh, and they really touted that as a iPad only centric feature. They found out that if you edit something that technically no one should be able to edit, meaning you have to jailbreak your iPhone to do this, you can enable it on your iPhone and it works just fine. Now, me personally, I don't quite understand why Apple would turn off one of its own features unless it's in intending to just promote iPads with it, or if they believe the current phone models can't handle it properly, or if that's going to be a key selling point for the iPhone 8. I'm not sure. Um, it's probably going to be a key selling point for the 8. Um, it's, it's one of those things, I mean, companies do this all the time. 
um, what they'll do is they'll make one they'll make one software and they'll put it on multiple devices and all they'll do is just limit certain features on depending on certain devices like say for instance you will get um, like different like mp3 players and then you have a whole line of them but then they have the this player version one player version two player version three and all of them have different features all of them are in the same software but they just disable or enable features depending on which device it is so it's not weird that they do that it's pretty much common practice for any um software and hardware company so it's not weird that they do that they're probably doing it simply because they want to push it as an ipad thing instead of an iphone thing and it might be on the eight it might not um since people have found it now and people are like talking about it i think they probably will definitely enable it on iphone it's just a matter of is it going to be on the eight or is it going to be on anything else or if they can like do it across the board um for ios 11 i don't think so they might just they might launch it with the eight because i think they want to push sales a little bit more with the eight what do you think becky before i saw the video with the deal break i just figured that they were pushing it to be like an ipad exclusive because they're really they're really pushing the iPad Pros, so I figured that they're just gonna be like exclusive to be like, oh, you know, this is the new iPad Pro. We made the uh, bevel smaller, and we also add this feature and this and that. So I figured it's gonna be like an exclusive. But like Chris said, some people know about it and are speaking about it now. Um, I'll wait to see if they're gonna actually push it for the eight or if they're just going to enable the feature when iOS 11 officially comes out in September. Or it could be something like the iPhone 4S and Siri. You know, with the whole what? iPhone 4, it was rocking Siri before the launch. iPhone 4S comes out and then Siri stops working and you can't install it on the 4 anymore. And then they, you, know, you have to get a 4S and higher to actually use Siri now. It's going to be an interesting thing to see exactly what they do. Um, speaking of iOS, I mean iPhone 8 though, and what they're going to be doing, that leads to the very next part. And it could be causing some serious problems and even pushing back the release date of the 8 if they're going to go with what people are saying they're going to go with. And that is the new re rumored features include an OLED display, which is edge to edge, so similar to the Samsung S8. It will have an underscreen fingerprint sensor like the S8 was supposed to have, and possibly even wireless charging, which has been something that they've been talking about for ages now. But trying to do all of that, they're saying will probably run them back months. And so it may not even come out this year. But that's if it's rumored. What do you guys think? Um, well, for the fingerprint scanner rumor, I really, I'm really hoping that they can get the you no know, touch ID able to be on the LED. Um, 
because sort of because I hate that design with the fingerprints down on the back. I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm like nitpicking, but I do not want my iPhone to have the scan in the back. So I'm really pushing that they can, I'm really hoping they can fix, uh, resolve that issue within like fall time. But if they cannot, then I, I, I could wait until I, I, if they release it, if they have the keynote for it in September, like they usually do. Because I know usually like two weeks afterwards they'd have it on, they'd have it in stores to sell. Um, but if they have to wait until October or November to, you know, actually have performance out, out in like retail stores to sell, I wouldn't have a problem with that simply because, well, you know, Samsung had to do it. Samsung showed their phone in March, I think, and they, they didn't release it out to the public for sale until April. So I, I don't think it would be an issue, but there also there's a catch because they're expecting iPhone 8 to have like high sale records and usually around that time people are like shopping for Christmas. So if they, if it gets delayed and it doesn't come out before Christmas, I would say they're up like, they're up like a decrease there, um, which would probably drop their iPhone 8 sales, their sales to they're expecting now. So, yep. Um, I think it's it's very ambitious, um, incredibly ambitious. I don't know if they're going to pull it off, uh, but we'll see. And again, it's also rumors. Um, I think the only thing that I think we can probably say is a safe bet is the OLED screen. Um, because Samsung is doing the screen, we know that already, that Samsung is manufacturing the screen for the, for the 8. So it's most likely going to be OLED. I mean, that's, I think, that's the safest rumor to bet on. Um, the touch ID underneath the screen, I don't know, um, unless they find a way to like restrict it just to a certain area of the screen and not the entire screen, like anywhere on the screen, maybe that could work. Um, I don't know how else they're going to do that. Uh, trying to get it onto anyone on the screen, that's, if, if they can pull that off, that would be amazing. I would be impressed if they pull that off. Um, wireless charging? Phones have had wireless charging for a while. I think, I can't remember what the issue was um, with wireless charging. Uh, it takes a while. But no, 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 I mean with them installing it in the phone. There was a, there was a, there was a reason why they couldn't have it on the phone, and I can't remember why. Um, but wireless charging is like the one thing that I've said that Apple definitely needs to do next. Um, if you want to go for that portless phone, it has to be wireless. Wireless charging is, has to be the next thing it is. In fact, I would prefer if they came, if they removed the head jack, the headphone jack, when they had wireless charging, because then they'd be able to move everything in one go and be like, bam, look at this. It's so awesome. It's so amazing. Like, how are you going to charge it? Oh, bam, boom. Like, well, I don't know. I still think proximity charging would be best. Like, even if it's just like an inch or something like that. Even if it's like five inches or something like that, you know, like, even that would be better than a wireless charging. Well, that would be cool. Like It would be enough to be like, oh man, this is awesome. So, I mean, hopefully they get it done. I think that is something that they definitely need to do. Um, if they, but I don't think that they feel confident that they'll be able to do it because the port is still there. That, um, so just because the port, like, that's literally the only reason why they sell that port thing is because of charging. So if they were able to solve that, then I think they would remove the port, and I don't see them removing the port, so I don't. I don't think they cracked that. I don't think it's going to be in it. 
me personally, I don't really think that they're going to be getting rid of that port regardless. And they may not have gone with that whole wireless charging, like take away all the ports one time because that may have been a little bit too much for people to really take in one shot, especially since wireless charging. While Apple users still buy anything. Okay, was not waiting. Was not expecting that. One. Um, right. Wireless charging, while good, it's not as widely distributed as it probably should be. Granted, if Apple brings it out and you know says wireless charging is the new thing, then yeah, you probably see more places starting to rock it. But not find it the way how it should be. Let's say in a restaurant, and then you, well, let's say Starbucks for example, because there are I think a few Starbucks that actually have it set up like this, where you go and buy your coffee, and then the table next to you where you sit down, you just rest your phone down on the little round thing, and it just starts to charge your phone. And I think IKEA is selling furniture like that, like lamps and tables and stuff like that as well. But it's it's still not as prevalent as it probably should be. Um, I know why Tri City and a few other well coalitions are trying to have that same proximity thing that you were talking about. Like that's the same companies that are trying to wirelessly charge cars. Um, and like have a little mat underneath the car and it charges them like that. So you never know. It they may bring it out or they may tie up with Disney and their whole uh, coil around in the center of the room idea. I don't think they're going to touch this. But I mean, I would, I would love for Apple to do it because if Apple does it, then everyone's gonna, everyone's gonna be like, oh, this is a new thing. We got to do this. We got to do this. So that's why I would, like, I would love for Apple to do it because then people would start taking it seriously and we get more devices that, like, those tabletop chargers. We get way more of those simply because people want to capture that. Those iPhone users, like, well, Apple users, they want to cap them and be like, hey, uh, buy this. So. They're going to capitalize on market, and they're going to like start making those things like in mass. Yeah. So that's kind of why I want Apple to do it. And yeah, I mean, I guess we'll see whether they do it or not. Yeah. Um, the next thing that I know is yes, LED. I fully expect that to actually come out, like you said. But I also expect that side to side thing. Like I have a feeling they're going to want that. Um, Similar to displays as Samsung, um, like some of the leaks and renders that we've seen, um, where it's like really large at the top and then curved or whatever. I have a feeling it might be similar to that. I don't like that design, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking, you have something to say about that? Yeah, or? I think um, Chris had the issue with. The camera and the mic placement with the with the rendered designs that I've been seeing. Um, I personally like the design um, with the edge to edge display LED. Um, OLED. I would I would enjoy I would enjoy an iPhone wireless charging. Like I said previously, I'm not too hyped up for it. I mean, if, I would love them to do it, but I have the option to you know like plug in my phone using the cord or I could just like you know rest it on a on a circular pad type thing not the charging so it gives me the best of both worlds I have options for it um 
but I'm not too excited for it. I would enjoy the proximity charging more than for them to have like the wireless pad and the rest of going on. Like just you know, like if it, it could be something similar about like the app, the Apple TV side, or you just like have it plugged into your home and you can sit down, just have it on the table, and you come home, just like like rest your phone there, and like within a certain um within a certain range, your phone will like just wirelessly charge like that with the proximity charger. That would be nice. Um, first, why don't you why don't you like the the rendered design? Minus no, the, I don't like the I don't like the Edge Edge design. I don't like that. I don't like it on the Samsung. I don't like it on the iPhone. I don't like the curve because on my phone, like I have a Google Pixel, and it still has bezels. And even when I'm picking up my phone, I still sometimes hit the edge. So and this doesn't wrap around like the Samsung. So I just envision myself hitting that edge all the time, like every time I pick up my phone. So that's why I don't like it. Um, that's a personal preference. Um, that's not like a, this, this phone sucks. It's just, I know how I go with my phones and I know how I pick up and I know my experience with my Pixel. And my Pixel with bezels, I still hit the edge like very often. So that's just why I don't like the edge stage. So one thing, I'm, I'm switching topics here. Um, much like how Samsung is having problems with well, with the S8 and that fingerprint scanner and it having to be on the back. Biggie, I do really have a feeling that that fingerprint scanner is going to be on the back as well. Like, because even the Note 8, they're saying that is more than likely going to be on the back. And that's coming out, like, later on this year as well. So. Yeah, Apple has to, like, make some brand new discovery between now and when they release it in order to get that, to get that Touch ID working on the screen. Because I don't, I don't see what happens. I'm hoping, I'm hoping that they do. If not, then I'll have to suck it up and have my fingerprints down on the back. Once and I hope they put it on the back just for that. If <laughs> I place like the S8, I think I'll be good. More than like, well, hopefully it's more centered, I would hope. Because... They might use the logo. I, the Apple yeah. logo. Yeah. I've seen Whereas with people saying, you know, they might have the Apple logo as the Touch ID, or there might be rumors, or there were like rumors where they'd have it like a small circle underneath the Apple logo for a Touch ID. But I would, I think, for it to have a nice look and be effective, I would prefer for them, uh, if they have to put it in the back, I would like them to just have an Apple logo. No. I, I personally hope that it's in the, like, in the icon. Um, going back to Samsung, though, um, something that's been bugging me, and apparently it's been bugging a few other people. Um, guess what? Guess what? Samsung's starting to do. They're starting to push ads to their customers about different games and other things like that via the in-game built-in services so like the game optimizer um optimized launcher um the game launcher and stuff like that um it's the way how you turn it off is kind of like nested away in a like really hard to find area inside the game launcher and it's pushing the um the ads via the optimized launcher if i remember correctly so it kind of confuses you because you try to turn it off and then you, there's no real setting for it unless you turn off all notifications from that app and then that becomes another issue within itself. Um, 
personally, I don't. I think that's a big no-no for phone companies to be pushing ads using built-in stuff. But um, I don't know. Is that just me? No, I, I feel the same. Like I, I'm, I'm annoyed with apps that have to push ads with within the app. So if I have a phone, I'm like when I'm pushing ads on my phone, it would, it would personally be a, like a no-no for me as well. Uh, yeah, it's huge no-no. I mean, I like on one hand, I like I want to be like, oh well, that's Samsung. You don't get Samsung like. This is, this is what you get for getting a Samsung because they've been notorious for doing shady stuff like that. But on the other hand, if Samsung starts doing it, other people are going to start doing it. And luckily, I think that's why I want to, I like sticking with stock Android and Google's phones simply because I have that pure experience of the worry about that third party getting in the way and mucking stuff up. So, I mean, I get why they're doing it. Um, they want to make money, and I'm pretty sure that something like that is something that makes them a lot of money. Like they're probably going to get a, like a lot of ad clicks just alone from doing that. But it's something that I, I it's like, come on, come on, Samsung, don't do this, don't make this a thing. Like please don't make this a thing. Like it's annoying enough when it's an app apps already. We don't need this in something that's grounded, like as essential in your system. So uh, hopefully they remove it. I'm hoping they remove it as well. Um, the next topic is that apparently Alexa voice control is now open to all video streaming services, which means, yeah, you're probably going to start to see Alexa's talking to more and more stuff. And I think this is where Chris was talking earlier that, you know, they're really just coming out of the woodworks and blowing things away with this whole Alexa situation. Um, like for example... You can simply, you can do a voice command saying, uh, open up Netflix and start playing uh, Stranger Things, for example. Or, you know, what was that one that you guys were watching? 13... 13 Reasons Why? 13 Reasons Why, or, you know, things like that. Um, personally, I think that's pretty cool. I'm, I'm still not sure how I really feel about Alexa listening to everything and like that whole home thing with them always listening, but maybe that's just me and my paranoia. But uh, what do you guys think? I think it'd be pretty cool. Um, it would make me extremely lazy because I don't have to get up to go to my TV or anything. But I think that now that they're doing it, it's going to force other like Alexa's competition to start doing it as well. So that would be. Uh, well, HomePod, which is good, so HomePod wouldn't exactly do it, but just for music-wise, but it would force the, the, the competitions to push it as well, where you can be able to, you know, just be like, oh, hey, um, open up Hulu, open up Netflix and play, like, a certain movie or TV series or so on. Yeah, I mean, Amazon, again, has a unique position on this, because I think they kind of have a close relationship with streaming services already, because don't they have their own? Yeah. Yep. So. Yeah. So I mean, it's it's kind of like they already have they already know what at least the coding or the background that I have to take in order to make something like that happen. Whereas um, Apple and Google wouldn't. So well, Google has YouTube, but 
I don't know if that'll help them that much. Honestly, what's really gonna what's really gonna solve this or what's really gonna be the breaker is whichever one of these devices is the first one to like branch out and get other like appliances to interact with it. So whatever one does that first, whoever does that first, they're gonna win this because if you can say um, turn on my oven or turn off the oven and it does that, it turns off the oven. If you can say, oh, turn off the light in this room and it does that, it turns off the light in that room. That's whichever one that is, whichever one does that first, they're going to get, and if it's easy to do, easy to set up, oh man, that's going to get all type of um, well, sales. See, that's, that's something that's interesting right there because when you really think about it, and if you remember, um, during WWDC, Guess who tied up with Apple? Amazon Prime Video. And so that's their streaming thing that's going on Apple TVs. And so I have a feeling that's going to be Alexa tied in as well somewhere down the line. So that's at least their TV. Now, if they further enhance that and say, hey, Alexa now has HomeKit accessory, well, uh, accessibility, I should say, then that might just be the end that they need. Maybe. I mean, we'll have to wait and see, but I think it's pretty cool. I, I think I like it. I don't I don't think it's something bad. I could see it happening with, with Alexa and home kid capability. I think so as well. Uh, we're going to have to put back on our tinfoil hats, even though we don't really have them. Um... And that whole, you know, people are spying on us thing because apparently Facebook has applied, at least at some point, to capture pictures. They've applied for a pattern to capture pictures and videos of users via their phone to analyze facial emotion. Meaning, you know, if you're looking at a post and that post makes you smile or makes you uh, frown or like, start crying, I guess, then they're going to either start showing you more of those posts or, you know, like those other developers who intentionally gave you posts that made you want to cry and, you know, start to feel depressed, they may show you more of those as well, or less, depending on what it is. Um, of course, we don't know if this actually came out and is, like, live as of yet, but it's kind of creepy when you really think about it. Agreed. I, I feel like the reaction options they have now, uh, like I feel they're okay with they're okay for me. Like I don't need you to scan my face to see if I'm crying or if I'm smiling at a post where you show me more of those posts. Like just let me scroll down my newsfeed and enjoy it with people are sharing on my newsfeed. I don't think it has to do anything with. Uh, um, I think that's way off. Like I think that Facebook just wants to have. A that pattern, so whenever there's a device or anything that needs to do that, then they'll make a bunch of money by having that pattern. So I think that's what they want. I think that's what they're after. I don't think they're for trying to add that onto their um, app and obviously how people react to Facebook posts. That, I don't know, that seems very short-sighted. That seems very, um, that's that's very tinfoil hatty, like very, very tinfoil hatty. Um, I think more realistically what they're trying to do is when there is an app that wants to use um, that technology in terms of determining people's emotions for whatever reason, they have the patent and they can say, well, 
pay, you have to pay us this amount to use this technology. Uh, I think that's what they're going after. Um, that's what companies like Facebook do anyway. They like to get patents and they like to get a bunch of money from those patents um, when people use those in those various different apps. So I think that's that's the more likely scenario and that's the more likely case of doing that. That said, um, I'm pretty sure it's close to getting to the point where we need to start putting tape over our front-facing cameras when we're not using them. Just so, like our laptops. Uh, just like our laptops, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's good. Like, I'm surprised that people don't have, like, is there other cases that they cover up the, the front-facing camera? Like, they should, that, like, that's, that should be a thing. If you're a case maker and, you have, and you're not doing that, you should, you should probably start. Probably. Um, one thing that may or may not be uh, interesting, I'll put that word, you take it out however you want, but apparently Google has created a tool as well to allow politicians to keep tabs on its constituents. So this article states, quote unquote, Facebook is rolling out a tool for politicians to feel more connected with those that they were elected to represent. In the coming weeks, the company will start sharing article data based on what an elected official's constituents are reading and sharing. Facebook believes this could lead to politicians who better understand the people that they're elected to represent. The idea has merit. Our methods, our current method of communication center around data correspondence, emails, letters, calls, or social comments Adding a sort of analytics program that helps lawmakers get a pulse for the people they're representing seems like a smart path. Me personally, and I know here in the Bahamas, I'm not sure people are even checking for that, to be quite honest. Um, but I, I don't see this as something that lawmakers would probably use for the most part worldwide, much less here. Yeah, I don't uh, I don't know. Definitely, oh yeah, that'll be some like all deal setup, and then they forget because you're coming through that. Like they'll set up, and it'll be like they won't use a property. I, I won't even like as a Bahamian, I wouldn't worry about it. I wouldn't care. These our politicians aren't tax savvy, so. Oh, they they say that oh you know we have this new technology and this blah blah blah, blah and don't use it. Like they just yeah. have a, they just would announce it to say that they're doing a change yeah, and. Well. Um, now we're going to move into some more uh, abstract ones. Uh, apparently game hacks and the making of them has become illegal in South Korea, which should help those, especially since South Korea is one of those bigger gaming countries. Um, it'd be interesting if that actually happened in somewhere like China, but I highly doubt that will probably ever happen. Um, have you guys ever had experiences with stuff like that? Like Game Shark? Because I mean, that's as close as we've ever gotten to like the kind of like hacks and stuff like that we use on this. I mean, well, in Pokemon Go, I mean, over here, like there's a notorious like instincts. You guys are hackers. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm not sure you would really call that hacking so much as spoofing. Well, I mean, it's all in the same field as cheating. So all of it is in the same realm. Um, like, you would consider a game hack something that allows you to cheat. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing that, um, the closest thing that we really have. But 
I mean, again, Korea is like something. South Korea is somewhere that they're super. They're super competitive. They have all the game tournaments. I mean, internet cafes are like a huge thing inside South Korea. I mean, I, I guess it's it's awesome for them. Great for them. Speaking of Pokemon Go. We recently had the Solstice event startup, uh, which is the first ever official live event of Pokemon Go. Um, so essentially what that does is it started off on June 13th at 1 p.m. Pacific time, you know, just minus three hours from that. And then it will allow you to catch more fire and ice type Pokemon during the campaign. Um, and it will increase experience points for throwing Pokeballs as well as discounts on the Lucky Egg item. Um, and it, the event ends on June 20th at the exact same time. Now, I never quite got into Pokemon Go, like all that seriously, and luckily we do have some people that play in this call. What do you guys think of this event? Like, I know you guys kind of stopped. Does it make you want to start back up or get back into it? Um, when I first heard about it, it made me sort of wanted to re-download the app. Um, but my thing is that how they're playing it, you know, their first live event. And I really want to know like, what's the difference between this first live event compared to the event with the grass type and the event with the water type where it was basically sort of the same thing. And the same thing with the ghost type Pokemon. So like what's what's like the difference between these events and this first ever live event that you're having now? Because this first ever live event, um, Niantic is in Chicago, which kind of pisses me off because I was in Chicago last week. Um, my thing with Pokemon Go, at least here, is that we don't have enough Pokestops. Um, if we had more Pokestops, um, if we had more gyms, if we just have more of those things, more of those points there, then it would be a lot more fun to play. Um, I played in the States. It's way more fun to play in the States than it is here. Um, simply because there's Pokestops everywhere. Um, with the event, they are having an event in Chicago. It's a ticketed event, meaning you have to buy tickets for it. So I'm pretty sure they're going to do some awesome giveaways. They're going to have some Pokemon spawns literally just for the event. Um, uh, TS. TSR is going to the event. Like, there are a lot of people from TSR going to the event. TSR is uh, the Silk Road. Um, they do a bunch of... They pretty much do... If you know about any of, like, the strategies of Pokemon Go, like, they are, they are the guys who are pushing that up. So they're going there because um, I think I just... I think I just saw them talking about it uh, earlier. They're asking if any of the ranges are... If any of us ranges are going um, to let them know. And they like get like a whole little range of group, but that's what's happening because it's an actual live event. Niantic is actually doing this now. Like you have to buy tickets to go to this event. Like it's Niantic sponsored. Niantic workers are going to be there, um, so they're going to have like a huge crowd of people there. I'm pretty sure, but that's why that's what makes this so different from everything else, and that's why they're calling it their first live event because Niantic is actually pushing this forward. You're going to see actual Niantic employees there. And they're very hush-hush on what they're going to do. So 
it's going to be interesting if they release a legendary or not. Um, I think that's kind of the whispers that are, or like people are kind of wondering if they're going to do or if they're not going to do. Because the legendaries have been in the files for, from since it was released. Um, it's just that they've never been released yet. So whether or not they're going to release a legendary, I don't know. We'll see. But that's that's what it is. We don't know exactly what they're going to do. So the people there are going to, I guess, be in for a surprise. Hopefully it's a really good one. And then they're talking about after that, there may be um, the multiplayer feature may come out shortly afterwards. Probably. I think the multiplayer feature is going to get a lot of people acting for the game. I think so as well. I've had people kind of be like, oh, you know, whenever they're, whenever they implement the multiplayer feature, then I'll be down with the game and continue playing it again. But until then, I won't play it. Yeah, I've heard people say that, but my thing is, what I'm envisioning happening is I'm envisioning the multiplayer come out, and then those people are like, oh, finally add a multiplayer, and they go back in. But then they realize that the people who've been playing all this time are such a higher level than them and have such better Pokemon that they're just going to they're gonna get burned out because they're going to be like, there's no way I can catch up to these people, and then they're going to stop playing again. That's what I'm envisioning happening. I have a feeling that it may happen like that, but they may have something special for those newer users, or at least those older, lower-level users who are coming back um, to help them catch up. I, I don't know. Like I just have a feeling they're going to do something. That's going to be tricky because then you're going to have the people who fought to get that, like to get to where they are, they're going to be like, well, we spent so much work and so much time in doing this. Like, how could you just let these people like just get such a easy jump or boost? Especially so soon in the game, like the game's open. That the game's like a year old. That's that's very young. It may be like how Clash Clans had a where who were, say, at level five. You're only able to battle certain people within that level ranking. So it it may be like that, or it may go like how you said, go south with the players coming back and seeing that they're such they're basically at the grassroots of the game, and they might it it probably would deter them from playing the game. Yeah. Uh, talking about another, since, you know, all Niantic and Google, um, apparently Google has now sold our dare lovable little uh, mechanical nightmares, uh, Boston Dynamics, the company well known for creating those little monsters that walk on four legs, or two legs, um, and... A lot of people kind of reflected them back on the whole Terminator series, considering, you know, they actually can run and follow you across a bunch of terrain. And I'm not quite sure, well, actually, no. SoftBank, the company that bought them, um, is also the company that, if I remember correctly, owns Sprint and a number of other companies across the world. They already do have some robotic, um, well, robots, I should say that they have in their lineup. So it's not that far-fetched, but I'm really curious just to see what they're going to do with it. I mean, they make great YouTube videos. Like, I mean, they're hilarious in videos when I saw them. Like, so, I mean, I don't know, like, they've been doing it, and every time I look at it, I'm like, oh, this is cool. I don't see how it's going to be practical, but, like, I, it's good for research. It's good for research. It's good for trying to come up with new technology and learning what we can learn from it. 
Um, I just think that that technology is not going to be used as like an actual robot. I think it's going to be used in other things, um, probably prosthetics, um, probably like uh, self-standing desks and stuff like that, like a collapsible and self-standing desk. Uh, I think it's going to be used in weird things and like kind of like side things. I don't think it's going to be used like how we see it. Wheelchairs. Wheelchairs as well, yeah. There's a certain anime that you know, kind of has that idea. I think that actually may come to life, given a few more years. Uh, Vicky, what do you think? I would agree with Chris as well. I think it's a big thing, I guess, to make it, like Chris said, like more popular users out there. Something that's also kind of practical. Um, if you use Microsoft Edge, Cortana inside Edge will now help you find lower prices for items when you shop. That's actually just something that, you know, it's almost like a little add-on of sorts, much like you'd find on Firefox and Chrome, except this one's powered by Bing. So let's say you are on Home Depot or Amazon or something like that, and it'll say, well, You'll fill up the information saying, okay, well, you're looking at a vacuum or you're looking at this TV. And on the side, it'll then say, well, here's the exact same thing. Here's the different prices that we found. And I don't know, personally, me speaking, uh, I actually really like things like that because they actually tend to save you at least anywhere from a few cents to a good chunk of change. Oh, you penny country? Helps. <laughs> um, I don't know. I don't know why there's why they keep saying because every time we hear about Cortana, they're like, "Oh, Cortana and Edge. Oh, Cortana with Edge will do this." Nah, Cortana is annoying. Like, I don't use Edge, and Cortana always pops up on her computer. She's like, "Oh, hey, you know, you can say, hey, Cortana." Sorry for anyone who has uh, Windows 10 and not using headphones, but you like, "Hey, Cortana," and she'll. Like pop up, like she just comes up, like oh, you know, I'm still here. Yeah, I don't care, Katana. <laughs> like, bye, <laughs> bye, Katana. So I don't know why I keep saying in Edge because she's very much in the OS itself, and she's kind of annoying to be honest. Speaking back to Google and Google Guides, have any of you really heard of that before? No. Vicky. Nope. Nope. Okay, so quick run through. Google Guides is something that they actually have for maps. Um, it is essentially the people there who make contributions and help crowd source the information. So, for example, if I will add a business and fill out the business's information or uh, add pictures about a business or answer, you know, does this place allow credit cards? Is it wheelchair accessible? Do they have happy hour? Do they have uh, vegetarian food? Do they have, is all the food spicy? This, that, and the next. Um, those elements to it allow you to become a Google guide. There's something you could opt into it and then you accumulate points over time with you crowdsourcing this information. And as you crowdsource more and you know, help other people out, 
then it gives you more and more points. And those more and more points give you special perks. And originally it was, the ranks were from one to five. With five being, you know, that allows you to go to Google events and stuff like that. Um, apparently they're changing that up a little bit. And they're putting it all the way up to ten. So apparently player level, players level two and up, yeah, they're calling us players, um, will continue to earn occasional perks from Google, like early access to new features. But those level four and above will receive free three-month Google Play music subscription and a 75% off Play movie rentals. Um, this is also one of the perks for me when I reached level four was getting, um, I think it was the two terabytes of online Google Drive storage space free. So that was that was a main driving point for me. Um, but the, like I said, they're boosting it up from five to ten, and that's they're adding more like unique badges and some gameplay improvements that are slated to roll out to people over the next few days. Personally speaking, I like the idea of it. Um, Chris, I know you and I had talked about this briefly, like not so long ago helping people out like <laughs> remember the whole communication the, the whole thing we had about Google versus Facebook and knowing your location and <laughs> Damn. Okay. I didn't argue about our conversation. Okay. I didn't even know you were a guy until like just now. It was like yeah, you're a guy. <laughs> um but yeah, so I mean if you do that kind of stuff already and like you help give out information and I think, yeah, cause we were talking, I said, uh, that a particular place gets the most visit. Well, the people inside normally be inside there for 20 minutes from, uh, roughly around 20 minutes. Oh, I think I remember that conversation. Yeah. yeah. See, I'm not insane. Um, it just happens. But, um, yeah. So if you do that kind of stuff and you, you, like to help out, then I would definitely suggest becoming a Google local guide. I know and, I can go with messages. I like swipe more every time. Anyway. <laughs> anyway. I do when I'm in the States, but not when I'm here. <laughs> I know it's super backwards because I should do them here, but like, a lot of times when I'm here, like, I just don't be, like, in a relaxed mood where I'm like, oh, let me, you know, casually answer all these questions and, like, add little photos or whatever, blah, blah, blah. But when I'm in the States, I'm typically in a relaxed mood because I'm probably on vacation. But here, it's like, nah. And it didn't, doesn't happen here as much as it happens in the States. Like, when I'm in the States, it happens, like, probably constantly. Like, if I, like, linger too long outside of some store, I can feel my phone buzzing to be like, oh, hey, are you at this place? And it's like, mm, no, I'm just walking past, but I guess you're telling me I'm walking too slow. Um, here, it's like iffy. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I guess that's depending on whether the place has a Google Maps entry or not. Um, that's, that's a conversation for another thing, because you know, you really should be helping out the country that you live in. But uh, no, helping out Google, that's what it is. It's not helping out the country, it's helping out Google. Like, let's not get that twisted. 
because yeah, people here can benefit, but it's not helping us directly. It's directly helping Google. We just kind of um, also benefit on the side as a result. So we're like secondhand. We're getting secondhand uh, benefits there. I feel so as well. Like, I feel like instead of them starting a team here to do it, they're gonna be like, oh, you know, that's what the locals do it and give them perks of doing it, which then drives them. Like you said, your perk was a uh, two terabyte storage. Like, if I if I get like three two terabyte storage, just doing something so simple, I mean, it would really drive me to be like, oh, you know, let me get out, start taking pictures of places, you know, giving reviews and so on about it. If they get Google Play Music to work here, I would care because then I'd be able to get their subscription. But right now, I can't get the subscription, so I don't care. You can get it, you just need a US account. Yeah, see, no, I want to get it here. Like, I I want, I don't want to get a US account. The US account is a lot of hassle. Um, is that issue? Uh, we'll see. <laughs> um, the next topic is actually, something that's pretty important. Amazon, Mozilla, and Kickstarter and Reddit started a net neutrality online protest. Um, it pretty much says some of the biggest internet, um, sorry, some of the internet's biggest names are banding together for a day of action to oppose the Federal Commission, um, Communications Commission, FCC, in the states, which is working to undo regulations for inter internet providers that it passed during the Obama administration, pretty much meaning that you know, ISPs cannot throttle them, depending on the different packages that you may have with them, which I honestly believe will start to affect us over here if that starts to degrade over in the states. But um, apparently, uh, there's no real way to put it politely. Companies like Pornhub, OkCupid, uh, Imager, DuckDuckGo, Namecheap, BitTorrent, and some other websites, some other big name websites, have also joined them. Um, I, I am curious to see how that really affects us down here, because I know we don't really fight for it, even though I have noticed some things happening that kind of go against the whole net neutrality thing down here. What do you guys think? There's uh, the fact that, we, that there are some big names behind it. They're probably going to get um, a lot of traction uh, simply because big companies are, are actually fighting it. And we've been fighting this, been fighting things like these for years, and we're going to keep on fighting them. And it's if we don't get anytime we don't get like big websites involved, then nothing ever comes out of it. Like it doesn't matter how many protesting we do. How much times we say this? Like it, it always goes through until the websites realize that oh man, that's gonna hurt us, and then they jump on board. And once that happens, then we tend to it, it tends to shut things down. So what's gonna happen is this gonna get shut down, and then this it's gonna pop up again, some diluted uh, version two. And then if these companies are fine with that, then it's probably gonna get passed. Now, which it seems to always pop up. Like one way or another, and it just will not die, which... Yeah, like every other year, it happens. Sometimes more than just every other year, almost every other month. Well, if you it depends on what you read. If you read, like, if you stay in the tech news, then yeah, it's like every, it's like every two months or so. But big, like, for it to hit, like, on, like, big, big news sites, then, like, every other year, so... 
What do you think, Vicky? I would agree with Chris. Um, I, I knew as well. I would like to see how it would affect. Um, yeah, like, like. Hold on, um, Vicky. Can you just speak up a little bit? Oh, I said um, that I would agree with Chris, and basically I would agree with you as well. I want to see how far we go and how it would like affect us over here in the Bahamas. Um, and like Chris said, with the biggest big names backing backing it, so I feel as though they're going to go strong with the protesting against it and so on. Well, we're at the end of our show. I really hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, then don't forget to follow us on Twitch, like our Facebook page, subscribe to us on YouTube, or, you know, even share us with your friends or bookmark us or, you know, whatever it is so that you get back here next time so you can enjoy this again. I'll talk to you guys next time. More cookies. Signing out.